Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for making it to church today. And for everyone who's watching us on our online platforms, Karibuni Sana, wherever you're watching us from, I'd like to encourage you to share this link with someone else who'd like to hear the word of God so that it can be a blessing to them this Christmas. And um, yesterday, so today we continue um, with our study of the characters around the cradle. We've been doing that for the past three gatherings that we've had. Pitson started that um, last Sunday. I continued yesterday uh, as we started our study on Matthew 1, from verse 1 to 17. And today we continue with that study. Uh, If you're not able to catch that as well, it's on our YouTube platform. So you can as well just get to hear what we shared yesterday, what we learned yesterday. And today we start off, um, uh, we continue with that. But a bit of recap, we established that Matthew not only connected Jesus to David, we are talking about the genealogy of Jesus, where Jesus comes from. So we established that Matthew not only connects Jesus to David, but he goes further back to Abraham. We established that Jesus is the seed of Abraham in whom all nations would be blessed. And we read this from Genesis chapter 12. Throughout his work, we see... um, Matthew presenting Jesus as the kingly Messiah to David's royal line. And that promise is, is, um, starts from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7. Matthew points to Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. What is started in Genesis um, through God's promise to Abraham gets to David, his kingly, uh, the King David, and then from David to Christ. We saw how God works in his own ways, how God works in his own time to fulfill his promise. We also got to learn how the promise of the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to us. And as we continue studying the genealogy of, of, of Jesus, we realize that they were very important to the Jews at that time. And as they are important to us today. Now the genealogy or our genealogy provided historical continuity and legitimacy to individuals at that time and to the families at that time. Every single name that we read yesterday and every single name that you will encounter today shows a generation that God used to fulfill his promise here on earth. So I'd like to encourage you as you're reading your Bible this year, uh, in, in, in the year 2022, as you uh, go through the book of Numbers, the book of Chronicles, or um, Genesis chapter 5, do not rush through those names. Take time, study the names. There's always something that you can learn um, from the genealogies. We always get to hear uh, of children or of adults who want to know where they come from. Um, we know without a background, without a historical background, it's very difficult for us to trace a medical condition or for us to trace land ownership or for us to know um, who the real father or mother uh, of an individual is like, is, or even establish whose family you belong to. I have not met anyone yet who does not want to know where they come from or 
to whom they belong to. And we come across two genealogies um, in the New Testament. The first one we read and we're going to read again today. We find it in the book of Matthew chapter 1. And the second genealogy of Jesus, uh, we encounter it in the book of Luke chapter 3, 23. While Matthew starts with Abraham and follows the line of uh, the line through David, Luke starts with Jesus and outlines the genealogy of Mary's family through back to David and finally to Adam. Matthew focuses on the legal line of Jesus. This is culturally, not biologically. Since, as we established yesterday, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Joseph, um, Matthew does not write does not refer to Joseph as the father, as Joseph the father of Jesus, but as the husband of Mary by whom Jesus was born. All right. And the world is constantly trying to twist this truth, saying that Joseph was the biological father of David. It's good for you to know that. So Matthew focuses on the legal line of Jesus, but Luke um, traces the genealogy through David's um, through this David's son, Nathan. So while Matthew focuses on Solomon, Luke will focus on Nathan. The two gospel writers, um, if you look at the differences and similarities, you'll, you'll realize that the baseline and what they are trying to do is to prove that Jesus is the true prophesied king from the house and the lineage of David. So look at the similarities, look at the differences between the two th- Uh, genealogies, you will realize that ultimately they're trying to prove that Jesus is the true prophesied king from the Old Testament. So we are going to go through the genealogy today and again I'll ask us to read together um, as we start off. Remember, it's divided into three main parts. The first part um, from Abraham to David and then the second part from David to the Israelites being deported to uh to babylon and then from the deportation to babylon to christ those three parts so we start together matthew chapter 1 verse 1 the book of the genealogy of jesus christ the son of david the son of abraham abraham was the father of isaac and isaac the father of jacob and jacob the father of judah and his brothers we can read together through your masks and judah the father of perez and zerah by tamar and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of the king. All right, that's the first part, King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife Uriah. Uh, we normally ask, why didn't he just mention Bathsheba? And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. That's the second part. All right, I hope I'm not losing you. The that part and the deportation and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of 
Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Ezer, and Ezer the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, as I'd mentioned earlier, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all these generations that we've read today, all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, they were 14 generations. And as we look at these names, as I mentioned earlier, as we're looking at these names and studying these names, you get to realize how God is using every generation in the Bible or uh, in the history in the Old Testament to fulfill his promise that we read about today in Matthew 1.1. And there are some, of, there's some things that we can learn. There's some things that we can pick, off, pick from these individuals. And today we're just going to look at three. And then we... We are done with the third part of characters around the cradle. The first thing that we can learn is that God uses ordinary people to fulfill his promises. God uses ordinary people to fulfill his promises. Charles Spurgeon writes that with one or two exceptions, these names, these are the names of persons of little or no note. The later ones were persons altogether obscure and insignificant. The Lord was a root out of a dry ground, a shoot from a withered stem of Jesse. He set small store by earthly greatness. We realize that God looked past all these men's uh, and women's shortcomings, sins, and faults, and used them for his glory. He used their situations, and what we are going to learn today, to fulfill his promise. And that's how they are finally mentioned um, in the genealogy. The first person that you can look at is Tama. Now, Tama is mentioned in the genealogy and is located in Genesis 38. Now, Judah, in Genesis 38, Judah, who is one of Joseph's brother, had three sons uh, named Ar, Onan, and Shelah. And Judah took a wife called Tamar for his firstborn son uh, called Ar. But Ar was wicked in the eyes of the Lord and he died. And culturally, um, Judah asked Tamar to you know, ask the secondborn, Onan, to marry Tamar so that the lineage could continue. Onan as well was wicked in the eyes of the Lord and he passed on and he died or he was killed. When Judah saw this, he asked Tamar to wait until Shelah, the thirdborn, could be of age. However, when Tamar realizes that Judah is playing games with, uh, with her, she realizes that she will not get a lineage or she will not have children from the, uh, from the family of Judah. She ends up pretending to be a prostitute and ends up sleeping with the father-in-law. She gives birth to two people, one, uh, two sons, uh, called Perez and Zerah. And yesterday we saw how Perez um, ends up being the great-grandfather of David through the reversal motif narrative in the Bible, where the second-born son is promoted to the status of the first-born son. 
The second person that we can see or learn from is Rahab. In Joshua chapter 2 and chapter 6, we come across a person called Rahab, and the Bible calls uh, her the prostitute Rahab from Jericho. Um, she hid two spies who were sent by Joshua, and re in return, God saves her from both judgment and her lifestyle of prostitution. Another person that you can learn from is David, King David. As you remember, when Samuel goes to call King David, he's, among, he's the last person who his father calls um, for Samuel to meet. His father prefers the elder brothers more than him at first. We also get to see how David and Bathsheba's scene, the infamous scene in 2 Samuel chapter 11, how God uses that and mentions Solomon as one of the people, this, the, the product of that scene, as one of the people who are in the lineage of our King, Jesus Christ. Through these examples, and, the, and we have more um, from the genealogy, we see how Jesus uses very ordinary people in their own weaknesses to fulfill his promises. Now, God and Jesus looks past our failures, our brokenness, and redeems these individuals for his glory and for his honor. In Hebrews 11.31, we remember Rahab, who is just read, the prostitute Rahab. We remember him um, by these words, that by faith, the prostitute Rahab became, because she was, uh, by, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, sorry, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. She proved her faith in God by protecting the spies. And through that faith, she becomes an ancestor of Jesus. We see this genealogy listing names of people who lived. They were simply, it was simply a mess. And they are, they are families that you would not want to belong to, that you like to hide. In our today's world, you want to hide that uncle. We always say that you always have that one uncle who you don't want um, to come to your meetings. Or that one cousin who you don't want to appear in those family gatherings because they will most probably embarrass you. But this is different. Matthew um, helps us to see these people as people who Jesus was connected with long before his birth. We also meet very ordinary people who Jesus is connected with during his birth. People like the shepherds um, and Mary and Joseph. These are very ordinary people that God decides to use for his own glory. We have someone as well who is very ordinary, John the Baptist, that Jesus introduces us to during his baptism. During his life, again, Jesus is hanging out with very ordinary people, the fishermen, the tax collectors. Um, he's even dubbed as the friends of sinners. You know, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's crucified again in between two thieves. Ordinary, sinful people like you and I. The world has taught us that we need to be people who are clean. We need to have it all together. We need to come from this kind of a background, a noble background. We need to be people who know how to speak um, good English, the Queen English. We need, we, are, we need to be people who go to this kind of school. Or we need to have our life together. Um, but, the world, but the Word of God is teaching us something that is different, a different perspective. 
would you be there doubting yourselves saying that God cannot use this broken marriage my broken marriage at this particular time for his glory would you be there saying that God cannot use me I don't know how to speak I don't know how to interact with other people my you know my character or who I am I'm not loved by people God is reminding us today that God can still use you for his glory and so I'd like to encourage you to stop holding back saying that I do not come from a well-off background or I've been raised by one single parent or I cannot speak this kind of a language or my personality is not likable you know Christmas today the birth of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of the promises of God is a reminder to us that we are significant, that we are necessary, that we are important. The Bible talks about our qualification, our competency, our credibility, our sufficiency coming from God. It is God who has called us to fulfill his promises of our lives, of our nations, of our families, of our every area and sector that God has called you to, regardless of how inadequate you feel. So if you feel unqualified or unworthy, remember that you have exactly the qualities that God is looking for so that you can engage the world. I like our mission and our vision as a church, becoming Christ-like disciples. What it simply means is that we are becoming, and as we are becoming, God can still and will use us to change the world. So do not disregard where you are. Do not disregard your family members or where, uh, where you come from, your background, or where you went to school, or what you're currently doing. And for the young people, do not despite your humble beginnings and your young age. God can still use you um, even when you are young. The second thing that we learn from, from this genealogy is that God's promises are always fulfilled. And we looked at this in extent uh, uh, yesterday. We saw how Matthew 28:16, um, the, the instruction that God gives, that Jesus gives to the disciples, is a fulfillment of a promise that he gives to Abraham. Matthew 28, 16, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This instruction echoes the promises of God to Abraham in Genesis 20, uh, 22 and Genesis 12. We see that Jesus Christ is truly the king from the lineage of David, heir to the messianic promises, and the one who brings divine blessings to all nations. Galatians chapter 3, Paul writes, Now these promises, now the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say, and to offspring, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male nor fe and female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. 
this promise has been made again to Abraham. And we see God's promise that is in the Old Testament. And we read more scriptures that you can go through. Um, Jesus Christ being the ultimate fulfillment, the culmination um, of these promises. Through his birth, we are able to receive this. Now, regardless of how long these promises took, so... Uh, 400 years between Malachi, more than 400 years between Malachi and the book of Matthew, regardless of how long it took for these promises to be fulfilled, today we celebrate the fulfillment of that promise. And would you be assured, I think it's important for us again to be reminded, and for me as well to be reminded, that God always keeps his promises. The word of God never fails. And the same way that we are happy and convinced that Jesus Christ is born, is the same way that we should be happy and convinced that Jesus Christ is coming back for you and for me. And that is good and great assurance for me, knowing that there will be a time when I will have eternal peace. There will be a time when I will have eternal rest with Jesus Christ, when I will spend time with Jesus Christ and with other saints, knowing that I have lived a, a good life and knowing that Jesus Christ through his grace has saved me. Would we be reminded of that promise as well today, even before we get to Christmas, uh, we get to Easter? Be reminded that as the same way that Jesus Christ has been born is the same way that Jesus Christ is coming back for you and for me. And that is good hope. And so as you wait, would you make a conscious decision to allow God to work out in your relationships while here on earth? You know, God is willing to fulfill his promises over your relationships. And this can happen even without you manipulating your partner. This can happen without you getting that job through bribing. This can happen without you, you know, registering your child or your nephew or your niece to that school without encouraging the school leadership. That can happen without you cheating in your final exams or cheating in your exams. It can happen. God's promises over your lives can be fulfilled through you working hard and through you trusting um, in a God who keeps his promises. The third thing that we learn from these names is that the grace of God, that through his promises, the grace of God is all-inclusive. The grace of God is for everyone. As we had identified earlier, one of the reasons why the genealogy is, was important to the Jews, and Matthew is writing the book of, uh, this book to the Jews, primarily to the Jews, we realize that one of the main reasons that the Jews used to read the genealogy or the lineage, it was to highlight how pure one's lineage was. And it is the same for us today. We want to hide those uncles or those relatives um, that do not fit the bill. Um, those people who maybe are known as, you know, living lives that we do not want to, to be recognized with. Or maybe we are those people who our relatives do not want to be associated with. But the genealogy teaches us something that is very unusual. Matthew decides, decides to include very unusual people in the genealogy. The first group of people that he decides to include are women, which is not normal in the Jewish custom. The genealogy, uh, the genealogy or the lineage at that time only included men. When Matthew includes five women in the genealogy, that is Tamar, Rahab, uh, Bethsheba by extension, Ruth and Mary, 
He's simply announcing that God has come. Jesus has come to save everyone, regardless of gender. The saving grace of God is not limited to any gender, as we can see. You know, sometimes we have people um, or a particular gender stepping back from serving, stepping back from receiving Jesus Christ as their personal savior, just because of who they are or where they come from. We experience and read about people um, who are not allowed to read the Bible, people who are not allowed to serve, people who are not allowed to even, who are marginalized or are perceived as broken people in the society. Jesus says through his genealogy that I have come for everyone. I'm not limited to gender. I've come for both male and female. The second group of people that uh, we find in this genealogy are the Gentiles, which again is very abnormal and very unusual. Tama was a local Canaanite, not a Jew. Rahab was from Jericho, again, not a Jew. Ruth was a Moabite. She wasn't a Jew, but Sheba was a wife to a Hittite. When you read the word Uriah or Uriah, depending um, on whether you're Pitson or me, what this simply means is that she was associated with someone who was not a Jew. And she is mentioned, they are mentioned in the genealogy. It's something that is unheard of. God's plan of salvation includes the Gentiles as well. It includes you. It includes me. It includes that person who you consider as an outcast. That person who you consider as an outsider of your community. It's not limited to a tribe. It's not limited to a particular group of people. And this has been the plan of God ever since. And it's the fulfillment again of the promise of God to Abraham. It's the fulfillment of the instruction in Matthew 28 when, God, uh, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. The birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ opens up the gate of salvation to everyone. You know, we always read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. We do not say, for God so loved this particular group of people. He loved the world. For whoever, whoever, everyone, regardless of gender or tribe, the grace of God is all inclusive. That's something else that we learn. The third group of people that Matthew decides to include in this genealogy are sinful people, outright sinful people. And we normally say they are outright sinful people, not realizing that I'm also an outright sinful man who is in need of the grace of God. We have Abraham, who is not perfect. We have Rahab, who is a well-known prostitute. We have David, um, who's uh, scene we read about David's sin and Bathsheba. This is almost one of the most famous scandals that we have till date. The scandal of David and Bathsheba. We come across the wicked kings like Rehoboam, like Joram, like Abijah that you can read about. Just to mention a few. You know, Matthew is telling us that God can use all circumstances including human weaknesses to fulfill his purpose. These are individuals that on a normal day you will not want to be seen with. You don't want to be entering into, into David's house when you've heard um, about that story with Bathsheba or even Rahab's room. You don't want to be seen or to be heard 
being mentioned alongside Rehoboam or Joram or Abijah. We consider them as outcasts or outsiders. These are people who we normally point to and say, this guy works in a club um, or this guy um, is struggling with sexual sin or this guy is, is an alcoholic or is addicted to drugs. These are people who are living among us. But Matthew is reminding us, or Jesus Christ is reminding us through the, through the genealogy, that Jesus Christ has come for them. There is no inner circle when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the grace of God. There is no deep state when it comes to the kingdom of God. Everyone is equal and everyone is included. And so do not think for a minute that you are not part of God's plan. You are indeed part of God's plan. And in the same way, if you accept and say that I am part of God's plan, then there is no reason whatsoever for you to exclude others in being part of God's plan. You should not exclude others during this Christmas. Jesus is teaching us to reach out to everyone, to love on those people who we think they are unlovable, to forgive those people who we think that they have sinned so much that they do not, that they do not deserve our forgiveness. The Bible today is reminding us for is reminding us to reach out to them, to love them more, to you know, call them to our homes today and send them that or send them that text and tell them that Jesus loves you regardless of who you are, regardless of what you're going through, knowing and believing that through that, God's grace and God's saving grace can be experienced in their lives. Charles Spurgeon again writes that Jesus is the heir of a line in which flows the blood of a harlot, Rahab, and the rustic Ruth. He is akin to the fallen and the lowly, and he will show his love even to the poorest and the most obscure. Now that we have identified that truth, and now that we have identified these people whom Matthew talks about, would you be encouraged and challenged that in this last week of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, to be disciple makers who are sharing this gift of Christmas with other people, to be people who are sharing the good news, the gospel with other people. Do not be left behind or do not be that individual who's living a closed up life in a bubble uh, we, we normally call them the, the the christians who are living in a bubble they do not know what is happening in the society i normally get um it's interesting when we're sharing feedback on the songs that are being sung and we say this song is very dirty or this um, blog is very dirty or whatever is happening in our social media platform is very dirty not realizing that these are actual people who are posting these things so it means that what is happening on our digi digital media platforms are things that are happening in our society it's simply a reflection of what's happening in our society and what we are be being reminded about today is for us to move out of our comfort zone go out and make disciples go out and help other people to become disciples of Jesus Christ knowing and believing that God can still fulfill his promises through them I like what as I conclude and I, as I call the worship team on stage I like something that um, someone sent me today in the morning concerning the genealogy of Jesus and we've been walking with him um, and studying seeing the different things that are that are highlighted in in Matthew 1 1 to 17 and he wrote to me 
that I think the Jesus genealogy is a statement of hope irrespective of our family history, struggles with sin and all the fallen nature. God still welcomes us and gives us hope beyond our conditions of our failures and all his promises are sure of our lives. May that be a reality of our um, in our lives today. May that be something that we learn from these individuals that God decides to use. Knowing that God uses very ordinary people, ordinary sinful people like you and like me to fulfill his purposes here on earth. That God ultimately fulfills all the promises of our lives. So do not give up hope. Still trust in God. And I'm speaking to those who have especially lost their loved ones during this period. Or those who are having struggles and challenges in their relationship. God can still fulfill his promise through that circumstance. Or those people who are feeling lonely. Like they are not being loved. They are unlovable. Those people who are feeling that this Christmas as other people are spending time uh, with their loved ones. I'm alone. God can still use that situation to fulfill his promise over your life. And God has not forgotten about you. And may we be reminded that the grace of God is all inclusive. May we be people who are reaching out to other people and people who realize that God has reached out to you. God has reached out to me and he has not locked me out. The gospel of God and the grace of God transcends all gender, transcends all culture and religion and and tribe or whichever country or county you come from. God loves you and the grace of God is available for you. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this truth and we thank you, God, for your love. We thank you, God, for everything that you've taught us throughout this Christmas period. We thank you, God, for your love of our lives is evident to God through you sending your only son to come and to die for us. We thank you for such a special gift through Jesus Christ. And we pray, O God, that we will get to experience these truths that we are learning today, that we will get to experience your love more, we will get to experience your grace more. Teach us how to be patient with one another. Teach us how to be joyful around one another. Teach us how to forgive one another, O God, regardless of what has happened in our lives. And teach us, O God, that through this season, we'll see you more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.